Two Wacker Slaps, where we look back into the annals of the 2000s indie music to determine if an album or band or even entire musical movement was actually good or just a product of the hype machine of that time. And like all great podcasts, this is the direct spinoff of an unhinged group text that won't die. Per the usual, I am joined by two someones who still love you, Boris Yeltsin. Still love you, Boris Yeltsin. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that happened. <laughs> it did. It, it happened to us. Yes, it did. Uh, yes, and I'm Noah. Uh, how, 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 how. Mm-hmm. And I'm your producer, Adrian, and I met a sheik from Mozambique. <laughs> oh, God. And I'm your El Hosto, Caleb. One bad hombre. <laughs> bad hombres. It's bad. <laughs> yeah, so let's go around and do our trumps. We're gonna, have to be, we're gonna have to be living in that for the next, you know, six years. So. Oh boy! Episode, episode forty. Episode forty. Forty ounces to freedom. We made it, baby. Did it. Forty episodes <laughs> to freedom. Yeah, this is forty. Like that movie. I got that on there. I got. Uh, can you guess what my other? They're not even puns. They're just things mm. that have to do with forty. I got mm. on there. 40 ounces to freedom. Yeah, we hit that. We hit that one. Uh, 40 year old virgin. We said that one. No, no. That's a good call, though. Oh, yeah. That's weird. That guy's all about the 40 movies. (laughs) Did he? I don't know. Did he? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. This is 40 and 40 year old virgin. Yeah. And shout out to our 40 listeners who are all virginal. So. I'm sure. I'm sure. No, the other one I had is the name of a uh, production company and also a, a government policy that never ah, was an acres. Yes. Yes. And shout out Spike. Emil. And yeah. indeed. And indeed. A, a burro. Well, speaking of mules, we got a <laughs> got a good one today. Got a kicker here. Yeah, hell yeah. We're breaking format. Got a live doing- one. Breaking format, we're doing Wacker Slaps Classics, where we look back into the annals of rock and roll history. <laughs> yeah, we like to do this every handful of episodes, do a throwback, and we're doing from the year 1973, ZZ Top. 50 Trace. years. Hombres, hombres, hombres. Remember like it was yesterday. 50 years. This beautiful album. Yeah. 50 years of rock and roll baby and they were long wrong around for longer than 50 years so that's that's impressive guys this album's probably voting for trump in the next election that's how old it is (laughs) i tip my uh 10 gallon hat to you fellas 50 years going strong well maybe not so much anymore but rest in peace dusty 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 Um, how many turns 50 this year, are you? What are you? Are you a Gen Xer? You're Gen like, X. You're like firm. Oh, I think Gen you're X. cusp, right? No, you're any cusp. Well, I don't know. I don't know how that works. I think no, millennials are like 80, 80 and on, mm-hmm. pretty much. Yeah, indeed. But yeah, you're like Gen X. You're like a Pulp Fiction yeah, fan. Like oh, that's firmly, like the heart of Gen X. Yeah, yeah. That's like the middle. Yeah, the meat. Yeah. You had the Pulp Fiction poster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cassettes like right when it came out 
You're drowning in cassette tapes. Yeah. <laughs> Mixtapes you're making yourself. You love Blockbuster. You got mini pairs of yeah, Saconi jazzes. Rent, rent singles. You and made uh, out at a Blockbuster once. <laughs> nice. <laughs> malls. Yeah. All that shit. You love malls. <laughs> you love hanging out at malls. Still anyway. hanging around malls. <laughs> uh, how many of these classic albums have we done? Uh, this is like a couple, couple or five. Yeah. Yeah. We did the MBV. That was Mm -hmm. the first one. Oh yeah. Yeah. We did a 92, uh, 82. Oh, right. 73. And I guess maybe this is the only, the third one kind of Wacker slap classics. It's uh, apropos for trace hombres. Hey man, that's a good night of listening. You do a little, uh, loveless, Nightclubbing and thrust ombres. What's that's, the order? That's, that's the journey through. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Uh, you think... probably kick it off with thrust ombres, yeah. And then you do nightclubbing, and then you start uh, frying face, and then loveless. I yeah, might be the you down. Loveless. You can do it in any order, though. That but... might be the Coachella lineup next year. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Jeez, it's like ZZ's on. Like they're probably not even on the main stage. Though. It's like Friday night. Yeah. And Are they going to get to replace Dusty Hill? Flea. That'd be cool. Who's rocks uh, the who's Watt. the base emeritus for rock for just rock and roll? Mike Watt. Is no, it, it's Flea. There was a Thundercat at this point. By default, it's Flea. Then Thundercat isn't he kind of? Yeah, he's up there reaching for the crown. He's uh he's too ethnic. Ah, that's true. Well, you know, Questlove is like uh, Paul McCartney. He, he's he's like unseating uh, Dave Grohl as rock's drummer. So no, that's true. Although but things have changed. Things don't change, yeah. All right. Anyways, well, before we before we get into the album, actually, I'd like to issue uh, a correction from last week. Uh, I've said that uh, UMO stands for uh, some Universal Mortal Orchestra, I believe, but it's actually Unknown Mortal Orchestra. So I apologize to my mutual follower UMO on Twitter. Hopefully this didn't uh, cause any harm, and I uh, I really apologize for that oversight, and uh, I will do better in the future. Did um, they unfollow you? No, no, I was lucky, but uh, you know, thin ice. I'm on thin ice. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Let UMOs have been in a lot in the news recently, right? Or those UFOs? I think that's uh, what's going I think on with that's, that. Uh, China, <laughs> China. <laughs> Uh, let's workshop that yeah all right well yeah as noah's saying classics we're doing a huge classic z we're really putting z in podcasting right now falling asleep over podcast (laughs) i thought it was more like podcast with the z you you put z on the end of stuff in the 90s all right no seriously zz top Trace Ombres, 1973, here on Wacker Slaps Classics. Adrian, do you have a review of this? I do. It's like Rolling Stone or something? No, Pitchfork, uh, it was a Sunday review, I believe. Sundays, they cover the classics. On this particular Sunday, they covered Trace Ombres. It was given a score of 9.0. Pretty good. Best new music, it did not receive a best new reissue. I'm not sure. I don't think at the time that this was reviewed, there was a reissue. Uh, there is one, I believe, coming out this year, if I'm not mistaken. But we'll see about that. This was reviewed by Andy Beta, 
who uh he really is <laughs> well he uh i think he wrote uh, quite extensively over there at pitchfork and you know i appreciate uh alphabetical names so here's a little excerpt from that it's actually a pretty good review it covers a lot of like kind of um the background of the the record and and sort of uh, the the feel of it and uh so i pulled just a little bit here but here we go tres hombres is a top sirloin steak of an album lean yet beefy not a trace of gristle to be had on 10 songs that clock in at just over 33 minutes it twines together both the texas blues and its hard rocking bridge variant with gibbons taking cues from the likes of lightning hopkins and fleetwood max peter green but it also stakes out its own ground the record struck a nerve with metalheads and punks, prog rockers and hipsters. In its songs, tales of highway succubuses and greyhounds abound, a supernatural mingling with the folksy, Jesus with good old boy ghosts. The end result changed the ZZ Top's fortunes forever, even if the initial critical response was muted. NME found the songs, quote, virtually indistinguishable, the lyrics unmemorable. Rolling Stone said they were only one of several competent Southern rock bands, quote. And Trace Ombrace nevertheless went top 10, hung out on the charts for 81 weeks, and gave, and gave them their first gold record, even though the album's lone single, Lagrange, broke down just outside the top 40. Uh, ZZ Top would forever sound like a Texas Roadhouse blues band, even if they now filled stadiums. So yeah, so this, this record is essentially the, their breakout record. As this review points out, they had recorded a couple of records before this, but nothing had really stuck. They're this is kind their of, Thrace album. Yeah. So they, so those first two records are kind of, you know, kind of muddy and the production isn't that great. There's a couple of great bangers on, on those two records, but it wasn't until this one that things really kind of coalesced for them and they kind of hit it big. Even if the response and the critical reception wasn't necessarily uh, what they had uh, hoped for, but it sold well. And you still like we're hearing here, you know, it, it did hit the the top 10. And uh, so not, not bad, not a bad outing for, for a Texas band, Texas blues band. Yeah. There's a band that sounds like they're, you know, they're still in the roadhouse, you know, sounds oh, like they're, yeah. just, they're just barn it up. Yeah. They are so definitively like a Texas kind of boogie Southern rock band, but I don't know. I think they, they have a timelessness to their music that a lot of that same stuff from the same year kind of s- sounds very seventies and very kind of blues bar band mm-hmm. stuff that kind of gets a little played out. I found these guys were like, had a goofiness to them. They had, yeah, there's a they did. He mentions like punk and you know, hipsters for years to come would, would like them. Cause yeah, I think they perfect that Southern sound, but also subvert it. And then, make it a little weird at times yeah and i think like distinctly being from texas too i mean a lot of southern bands were from kind of all over the south you know south is a huge part of the country but i think there's like something very tejas about this album not only kind of like you know that lineage of blues artists and stuff but yeah something about you know austin and houston and all these like big cities that have a lot of opportunities to play live and all these like kind of distinct, you know, bar cultures and things that are kind of part and parcel of Texas. And that like came through their sound code. So I don't know. I feel like they sit a little bit outside your like whatever black Oak, Arkansas or your Leonard Skinner's or whatever, in terms of like Southern rock, I don't even think of them as a Southern rock band and I'm not trying to be Mm -hmm. cute or anything. I think of them as like a Texas rock band, you know? And there is some people who argue that like, Texas is part of the South, but it's also like its own thing. And I think like, so, so it goes for ZZ Top, you know? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just have a more kind of just kind of fried desert road dog sound. Yeah, I don't know. they have an equal. There's an equal amount of influence of the psychedelic rock that like 13 floor elevators yeah. from Texas. Well, and like, and like famously, Jimi Hendrix. And right. They famously, sound like funk, like funkadelic at times and stuff like that. Uh, Billy Gibbons is famously Jimi Hendrix said uh, his favorite guitarist, right? Or he said he was like the best guitarist that's, or something like that. That's the rumor goes. Yeah, I said it was his favorite guitarist. Yeah. Wild. Didn't they used to jam out all the time? They, like, yeah. They, I know together. they did. They did play and tour together. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, they just strike me as guys who are just like not really beholden to a sound and just, yeah, they were just kind of had their finger on the pulse of what was going on, you know, uh, that was just kind of like long hair culture or just like hanging out with aged blues legends or whatever and just yeah. kind of like they're just absorbed a lot of energy and vibes from that from that era and uh, yeah, synthesized having- it into this is a really potent fucking album. So yeah, yeah I don't having, know what's in that mud down there in Texas. Yeah, that, that Rio Grande mud. They're having yeah, a ball. That's the other thing. Like you can tell that they're like just fucking whooping it up in here. Like I mean, yeah. it's you know, it's all really uh, tight and like, but like it sounds like the best bar band that you could have met. Like, yeah. you know, that and it kind sounds of like the like, best bar band set. Like if yes. I was just fucking sitting around. Like seven Lone Stars deep, and just like this <laughs> band played for thirty three minutes, and in in the order that they did, like yeah. you'd be you'd just be up and fucking digging it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. yeah, it's rad. Yeah, and I think these Neat. things are what set them apart. I mean, also just they're they have a very specific tone, like Billy Gibbons guitar, Dusty hills bass like thumping bass and then like mm-hmm. the drum work like it's all very specific the fact that they're a trio too is a super yeah. like mm-hmm. powerful but like they you know you, you mentioned like leonard skinner and stuff and like they very distinctly have a very specific southern vibe to them you know confederate flags and all that yeah. shit. and this has a very texas vibe like not yeah. necessarily south but like straight up texas like you can he- feel like the texas heat the texas sunshine the sweat yeah. like you can feel the sweat like mm-hmm. and it really works and not to say that the like the performance is sweaty in the sense that they're like you know they don't i don't know nervous or don't know what they're doing it's the sweaty in the sense that they're like they're rocking so hard they're perf- you know they're going so hard that they're just pouring it out you know out of them like every which way yeah. they, it's possible like, yeah you know? they're greasy yeah, and, Easy, and, but exactly. they're but they're super reverent towards everything else that mm-hmm. makes up Texas, whether that's like old black blues musicians or Native American music or mm-hmm. Mexican influences, you know, like yeah. German influence. It's it's all there, and I feel like a lot of that other Southern rock just kind of it's like we are Southern capital S, and that like mm-hmm. you really don't know what that means, and it just kind of becomes a a marketing thing or like a parody of itself, and it's really reductive. Whether these guys just sound super engaged and like super just into everything that, you know, represents their surroundings and doesn't shy away from everything, you know, or just borrow conveniently from stuff. You know, it's like it, they synthesize it in a way that's really um, just full and whole sounding. And yeah. You know, well, it's, it's also singular. Yeah. yeah. And Go it's also, ahead, no, I was just going to say, it's also like natural and effortless. Like it feels yeah. like they're just like, it's just going like, there's no, like, it's just so so free and in the groove and in the in the yeah um, in the flow of it that like it's just it feels it's good and like some of that other music that we're talking about like it, it's it's good and you know it's enjoyable but it just doesn't have captured quite the 
you know, the essence of this, what this is, which is just the, the, the most boogieing, you know, grooviest blues. Yeah. Know, uh, blues record you can imagine. Like, it's just, yeah. it's, it's great. They're, they're happy to be there. You know, it's just, there's a sense of fun and whimsy and to it too, the whole time, you know, it's yeah. just like, it's a heavy album. It's fried out, but it's like, it's light on his feet too. You know, it's like, yeah, it goes down smooth. Hell Yeah. So yeah. there, what was their deal? Their Texas boogie woogies, so <laughs> rock and roll punch you in the fucking mouth. Yep, cowboy <laughs> boots, rattles, snakes, you know, beer bottles, yeah. topaz, like cowboys on acid. They basically were kind of that. <laughs> I think they're all from like just Texas. They'll kind of grew up humble, like working class people. Yeah, yeah, just and grew up Billy doing random jobs and shit and. Just I got think, into music and they were just like lifers. Yeah, I think Billy Gibbons had some of his teenage years were in California. And I think you could tell that a little bit too, where he's like, oh, I've seen the other side. <laughs> like, yeah, man. Been out west. I tasted, I surfed. I tasted San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, should we talk about how they, they came up with the name? Oh, yeah. Isn't that always like nobody really knows? It's a fun, it's one of those. What, what do you, what have you guys things. heard? What what are your like without right, I'll, like I'll say looking the, in the research? Yeah, what the would one, you hear? The, the one that I always heard that you know growing up that we would yeah. you know be whispering about was that ZZ Top was the name derived from from rolling papers, right? Yeah, so too. ZZ yeah. Zigzag and then like Top, and top. Yeah. Like top to, uh, Tobacco, like you know rolling right. tobacco. That was one I always heard. But what 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 about you? Guys? I always heard that in a car high listening to like a two for Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Legs that's, that's come on. It's like too. you know how ZZ Top got their name. Yeah. And then I'd also heard they were kind of like doing what other bands were doing, like whether it's Pink Floyd or whatever, where it's like Steely they take Dan, Steely Dan, where they take uh. Well, I guess that's from a book, so that's a little different. Yeah, but they they take like the names of musicians and stuff, and like uh, you know, know, adapt it. Yeah. yeah, stuff like that. And uh, so it's what it's um. But yeah. they took like ZZ Hill, right, as a blues guy, right, and then um BB King, right? Yeah. The, instead of King, it's like top. top. Yeah, it's because he was like, well, what is what is the King? He's the, on the top, so boom, we got ZZ Top. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's I don't funny, know, I, like ZZ Hill is like not all that prolific. He's kind of like a local legend. That's not the thing. These like, guys yeah. knew what was up. You they know the tell. Deep, they knew their yeah. shit. They know the deep cuts. They know the you know they they dug. They 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 know their shit. I mean, if if yeah, you listen to like, I forget if it was like on WTF. I forget. I listened to a, an interview with Gibbons and man, he yeah, just it's good. That. That's a good. That's a and, good one. Yeah, and like he'll just give you like just a name after name of these all these incredible artists and bands that were influenced. Yeah. It's just like yeah, it is guys like ZZ Hill who are like you know maybe yeah. they had one minor hit in their local area, but they were huge, you know, and then influential wise, influence wise, you know. I think that's that. just what they did as kids. They would like find out about these like old ass blues guys, and like they would find out they're playing at honky tonks and bars, and just go sit in with them and shit, and just yeah. like check well, it out. That, they, um... they did the footwork. Yep. That famous radio station, the X in like Durango, Mexico or something. So like mm-hmm. a lot of people their age grew up listening to yeah, you know, X, Spanish X-E-R-F. music, but also yeah, but uh a lot of blues musicians would get played in Mexico. They would even like play live there in Mexico. Yeah. 
more so is like before the blues renaissance of the 60s here in the states yeah because i think a lot of them could like flee the puritanical counties or whatever that throughout the south and shit and like go down to mexico and just play fucking a rager you know because mm-hmm. durango is northern mexico it's, it's it's right there it's right over the border so. yeah shit's tight yeah and then of so, course a bunch of country influence too there you can always hear that oh yeah yeah, yeah. definitely i mean that's there's a country streak through a lot of you know rock and roll of that era a lot of rock and roll. i mean it's just one of the basic building blocks of it obviously yeah. but um i think at but this time think- it was yeah definitely uh definitely a, a influential sound Just do you think ahead, these guys like heard like cream and the Yardbirds and all like because you know in the, the review they were mentioning uh, the, the kind of british variant of this mm-hmm. and they heard all those you know um fellow white boys over in england doing it and they're like well, we're closer to the action that these guys are ripping off. So, like, let's let's make our own take on it. Yeah, I think you know, that's you what think it was. they had a little bit more of a sense of propriety. I think um, so. I think they respected those those artists too. Yeah, because I mean, those guys, you know, say what you will, but a lot of them were reverent to the to the blues guys, and you know, brought yeah. attention. You know, whether it's John Mayles, Blues Breakers, or whatever. Fuck Eric Clapton though, but yeah. um, <laughs> he continues Gibb, to be an anti-Eric Clapton. I think podcast. Billy Gibbons still would have been of that generation that was in high school when they saw the Beatles on mm-hmm. yeah, uh, Ed Sullivan. So they were probably like, "Oh shit, let's start a band." Girls go crazy for these mop tops. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like girls, fun music. Like that's just you know, I can only imagine what it would have been like at that time for like that kind of cultural shift. Yeah, it would be like, totally. oh, this is. This is within our reach. This is within our, you know, especially if you're just, you know, for, yeah, so you live in, you know, you know, lower middle class, lower class life in Texas. Like I can only imagine like, yeah, that's a, it's a way out. And it's like, it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, but, totally. Uh, why don't I get into some album background here? Hell yeah. So I ha- I pulled a lot of like direct quotes and things for this one. So bear with me. Some of them are a little long, but we'll, we'll try to get through this pretty quick so we can get to the, to the grooves. Uh, so, Trace Ombrace was recorded at Robin Hood Studio in Tyler, Texas, and Arden Studios in Memphis, Tennessee, our old friends Arden Studios. This is double back-to-back Arden. Back-to-back Arden. Episodes. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, and as so we, we can do the, the box little... tops next episode or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or that um, uh, Big Star record or something. Yeah. But uh, Arden Studios, yeah, it's, it's a very well-known, legendary recording studio. We went into it a little bit on our um, yes, on our previous Cat Power episode. But uh, so it was recorded in early 1973. It was produced by Bill Ham, who was Easy Top's manager, and recorded by engineer Terry Manning, who had worked with a lot of big bands. He was mostly known at this point for Led Zeppelin Three, which fantastic record, great production. But he's worked with Iron Maiden, The Tragically Hip, Brian Adams, Booker T and the MGs, and just the list goes on and on. Uh, but he ended up working with Easy Top for a long time through all their like big, huge hits in the 80s and, and into the 90s, I believe. And then, of course, ZZ Top is composed of Billy Gibbons, Dusty Hill, and Frank Beard. So uh, on the album's production, Manning basically recalled that the initial tapes were Recorded at Robin Hood Studios, as uh, the aforementioned Texas studio. And then he says, then they brought the tapes to me and I did some overdubs, all mixing, editing, and sequencing at Ardent Studio A in Memphis. So I wasn't there for the early tracking, but in that era, they would do several takes until they felt they'd got into the song and there would be overdubs. 
tom rolls on certain things, double tracks some solos and vocals are overdubbed and a little editing done. So it wasn't all live, but it was, I think, the time when the band played best together as a three-piece live. And it had that live feel, but in enough of a structured way to really bring it to a professional level. And I think that really captures kind of what the essence of the album is, because it does have like a live feel. And just like you said, Caleb, like the the set, like the, well, the set, the track listing feels like a set list. It's like, you know, um, obviously the first and second song blend into each other, uh, which I'll mention when we talk about the music but to go continue here a little bit more about the production style manning wanted the band to sound powerful and tight and just sonically as pure as possible he wanted to keep the blues elements you know the grit and the grunge when things aren't exactly perfect but he wanted it to fit it all into like a, a a nice sounding technical framework so he basically was the guy that was like brought in these these bluesy musicians bluesy dudes uh who were rough and tumble and is like oh, we're gonna polish you guys up polish these songs up so that you know they get the you know the, the sheen that they need not too much right but just enough to sound like he said sound professional um i think he succeeded totally. um, he's, he says you know we usually get started afternoon probably going until midnight but sometimes billy and i would stay on for hours at night just the two of us or sometimes i would say for hours working on things for the next day but mostly i'd say we're working 10 or 13 hour days sometimes it's a 16 hour day but what kept you going was just the music. So these guys were working really blow. hard. Yeah, I bet it, that wasn't all that kept them going. They <laughs> yeah, got benzos I mean, and sure, sure. tequila. <laughs> but, you know, ultimately the music is, is keeping you in there. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you can do all the blow in the world, but if the music is good, then, uh, you know. It's going to be 72, 73. I don't know if they had the good coca but they probably uh, had maybe some, not yet they had that fun like whatever johnny Blue cash speed, was doing yes. black baddies pills yeah oh <laughs> yeah are working class diet after pills all. and shit yeah. <laughs> um, when did those like disappear it's probably, probably like the 80s right i think blow came in and wiped it out <laughs> <laughs> that's something better than all of that but from everything i read about this it basically sounded like uh, it was really, you know, a great session. Like they were in high spirits. They they performed well, and they, you know, it was just a good time. And and you can really hear that on the record. Like you could hear that these guys just fucking love what they're doing. You know, love playing the music. And um and and Manning really captures like the essence of who they are. And like, yeah, there's overdubs and stuff, but it still feels like super live. Like it doesn't yeah. sound yeah. too produced at all. Yeah, which is like I I think like a good feat of it too is like to make it sound live for sort like a power trio you know they kind of in a lot of i don't really know the, the history of power trios you know i know there's this cream and other such grand funk and shit like at the same time but i don't know they like have that sound where it's down where it's kind of all the interplay and everything kind of helps Lizzie, right when yeah they, they weren't well sometimes yeah, maybe. sometimes yeah maybe yeah but it's like how you the, the guitar helps out the bass helps the, like that interplay and that kind of how you overlap and help compensate to fill out the sound and everything like how they're able to capture that like with doing dubs and not like in live recording is like really an amazing feat because it sounds like they're all just right there jamming with each other and yeah. just looking tight yeah yeah it's tight but it has that sense of space and like elasticity that like a really sick power trio needs you know mm -hmm. to sound to have that unique sound so yeah, good on them. Yeah, and you know, and that all comes from just, just again, just putting in the hours, putting in the time to work on these songs, make them, you know, make them as good as they possibly can. But you know, as as much as we're talking about these guys are a huge Texas band, like it's it's kind of crazy that like this 
seminal Texas album is like, actually it was polished up in Tennessee. Uh, but Billy Gibbons ta- um, talked about this. He said, we've always ascribed to the old phrase T is for Texas T for Tennessee. Uh, I don't know. I don't know yep, what that, that old chestnut. Yeah, that yeah. Old chestnut. <laughs> Uh, there was something about it. We could never figure it out. We decided to go and check it out. I suppose, by, have sti- tees. I suppose by sticking in Memphis, it offered us a little psych- uh, psychological advantage of maybe getting away from the house for a while. When you get into Memphis and you start breathing that air, you feel that musical vibe hit you, inspire you to write. There's just something that comes over you. I don't know if it's the lineage, this lineage of rich musical heritage. It's still there. So we go up and live it, breathe it, and see what we can do with it. Uh, so it just sounds like they were just like needed a breath of fresh air, you know, and this was like really a nice way to kind of like, all right, let's just, you know, reexamine these tracks that we recorded and polish it, you know, put, put, put them, mix them up and, and make them sound real good and uh, get some of that Memphis vibes in there. Some of that art and studio magic in there. I think one of them like really had like a farm or something or ranch or something in Tennessee. I, think oh, I was yeah. watching that that documentary. I think one of them had relocated there. The one from a few years back. That's a great doc. Yeah, that's a fun one. That's a good one. Well made. And uh, I actually, I think that because of that doc, Lagrange uh, got on the tr- uh, the charts again because of that. Doc. Oh shit! Nice, nice, good on him. Yeah. Um. So the the album was released by London Records on July 26, nineteen seventy three. It is ZZ Top's third studio album. Um, and in 2013, Billy Gibbons said, we could tell we had something special. The record became quite the turning point for us. The success was handwriting on the wall because from that point, we became honorary citizens of Memphis. So like, nice. you know, they become they became part of that lineage of legendary acts, whether it's Booker T or, you know, whoever else, you know, Cap Hour, whoever else is <laughs> recorded there. You know, it's part of this huge lineage of, of really impressive and, and talented people. But the album's gatefold features an image of a table filled with Tex-Mex. I actually have it right here. I'll show you guys. Gotta have it. This is a must-have like, album. So I'll pull it out. It's a slipcase here, but you guys see it's like a huge, huge Mexican <laughs> meal. Like, it's pretty fucking fantastic. So much actually. cheese. It's like beers and corn and cheese and beans and it's mm-hmm. everything you'd want. Then you have that classic uh, buxom woman with the Mexican flag. Oh. So yeah, Classic so okay. Image. I have a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I got mine out here too. What brand of beer is that? It's like some Shiner Buck. Uh, no, Southside. Right Southside. Uh, Select. I'll cover all that here. So, <laughs> um, speaking to Texas Monthly in 2016, Billy Gibbons said, "Because this is for all from a legendary and now sadly closed Houston eatery called Leo's." But Gibbons, he said. Leo's had a Mexican dinner special for $2.99 that was huge and terrific, but it was also a far cry from what they prepared for the gatefold shoot. Galen Scott was a photographer who shot it. We did it down the street in his photo studio. We found an antique radio and tuned it to our favorite border radio station, XERF, 1570 on the dial. And the calendar was an Adelita, the famous female revolutionaries, similarly set the mood. And then we threw in the bottle of Southern Select, the Houston beer Howard Hughes owned. Being the, consummate insect, <laughs> being the consummate eccentric he was, we thought it would be a fitting, it would be a fitting to top it all off. Damn. Uh, you could dissect that gatefold like people dissect the Sergeant Pepper's. Yeah, exactly. All the little, all little nuggets in there. <laughs> um, and it's it is great. It's a great shot. And like it's totally fits the vibe of the it makes you, you know. so hungry for Mexican, like yeah. instantly. It does. It really, really does. Uh, and I'd like to try a bottle of that Southern Select. That looks yeah, I guess too. like Texas, good. 
I don't know if it's the case anymore, but it used to be real like regional about beers. Like mm-hmm. you knew where somebody was from in Texas by what they drank. So if they're from like they drink like Scheinerbach, they're from a uh, like kind of like where there's like German folks down there. Mm-hmm. I think it's northern Texas or something. Yeah, I think yeah, and then, Texas yeah, and there's like Lone Star Country, which I think is like the central kind of like yeah, the hill Austin country. Austin is Lone Star for sure. Yeah, okay. and then but there's like, another yeah, one though that they yeah, drink. there is the what's the other one. And then like Lone El Paso, Star. you're probably drinking Modelo. Lone Star. Then what's the other one? There's another huge one. We're not there. talking. Yeah, yeah. Really Can't remember it. It's like one or the. It's like Bud Light or Coors. There. It's. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't remember it. Oh well. We'll uh we'll we'll circle back. I'm sure. But uh, <laughs> just to finish off the album section here. So, as we mentioned, it was initially released to lukewarm critical reception, with numerous reviewers writing the band off as competent, but one of many similar sounding southern rock bands, which I disagree with. But you know, who at the time, uh, I guess you can kind of it was trending in that way. You can kind of say like, ah, oh, it's part of this you know wave of southern rock bands, whether it is your like you said, Black Oak, Arkansas, or whatever. So never, nevertheless, the record put ZZ Top on the map, and by early 1974, it reached number eight on the Billboard 200. So not bad. And then as time went on, of course, it's become a, to be seen as a classic. It's landed on so many best of lists, including Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Albums of All Time list. But yeah, I think just with time, it's become kind of this, not even a, like beyond cult classic. It's, it's just a, a stone cold classic. For a lot of, as as the review mentioned, for a lot of different, you know, musical people who appreciate a lot of different types of music, whether it is the punkers or the, you know, the rockers or, or whatever. It's like, it, it works for a lot of different style, you know, styles of, of uh, listening. Yeah. Pearl was that other beer I was thinking of. Oh, there oh, you go. Yeah. yeah. Classic. Yeah. Never had Pearl. I've had Lone Star. I've had plenty of Shiner Bach. Good. Good. Find some Pearl. Pilsner lager type beer. That's good. Got to drink it cold. It gets hot down there. All right. right. Oh yeah. I know. Speaking of beers, this is like a weird album to do on a Tuesday night. You know. No. This I is like such like a drinking. Yeah. Like, this is a <laughs> yeah. Friday Saturday. This is like a Friday night. Low like energy. A, it's like such a barbecue <laughs> album too. Like, Let's take a pause. We'll go get the bag and then we'll yeah resume. <laughs> Bust out my <laughs> bottle of whatever Casa Amigos. Yeah, we should be. Just finished up a barbecue. Yeah, it should be like hearing people in the background at the barbecue. Yeah, totally. You can hear the clink of like tequila shots. <laughs> hear somebody doing it. Hear like a, yeah, you hear like a truck starting <laughs> to go on a beer run. You know, <laughs> somebody's tea yeah. got crazy. <laughs> More fools are rolling through. Yeah, yeah. You like hear the back. It's like yeah, he can roll through. That's tight. that's cool. He can roll through. Oh hell yeah! Don't look. What's come your over. address, fool? <laughs> <laughs> It's like, brown. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. What's next? All right. Well, that's the history of the album. What about our histories with this album? I can go first. I yeah. always knew. Well, just the history of ZZ Top in general, just growing up listening to classic rock radio, I always knew ZZ Top, but they always got reduced to like a handful of songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the videos, those things were like, what was it? Legs and uh, what was the other? Sharp video? Dressed Man. Sharp Dressed Man. Those videos was weird. They would get played like when I was a kid. It's like, wait, 
this thing's like 10 years old. Why is this still on the MTV rotation? Because they were like legend. That was part of their like second act as a band. They were like, yeah, "Yeah, we're kind of, or maybe we're not sex symbols. We're just weird looking fucking rocker dudes. So like, we got to like have some sort of angle. Like a pop up video or something. Yeah. Pop up on there. So I always liked them, but I always just knew them for the hits. And then I think eventually, I found Trace Ombres at a, a thrift store. And I was like, oh, yeah, I've always heard this is like the good one to get. And then that gatefold just that seals the deal. Once you open that thing up, it's like, it's like opening up a holy text. It's like opening the suitcase and Pulp Fiction just shines back at you. You think there was old um, like crumbs of like dirt weed, like yeah. in the seams? It's like yeah, yeah. just bags. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bags to be roll a joint. Yeah, it's like that green. shit that has like a you can has like a corner of a brick in it. It's like a perfect yeah. ninety degree angle. The color like of the album, <laughs> the green color is cool. The yeah. font is badass. The pi- yeah. the pictures of dudes just like working on like a telephone pole is awesome. Yeah, and then you hear that first song waiting for the bus and i was like whoa this is like way weirder than yeah. the hits that you hear on the radio i was like this is like a funky almost like punk sounding song a little bit and yeah this album is just in a constant rotation um i know i think caleb i remember you might have even told me about this album before i heard it because i remember you were on big on zz top especially this album for well a i think time. it was maybe yeah from it from the time i was probably into like what people would call like fuzz rock or desert rock or whatever because like a lot of those bands from like the california desert that were popular in the 90s and shit definitely like this is a big influence in terms of they had like a boogie woogie sounds so i probably like read something on stonerrock.com that like recommended this yeah i might have passed along to you yeah it was just cool because a lot of times you hear like just growing up listening to the radio like you're like oh i'll try to dive deeper into some of these bands sometimes you're disappointed by the album but this album i was just like blown away by back then still to this day remains in the rotation okay nice nice yeah i can jump in here so my first real introduction is easy top i mean aside from like i think any child of the 80s slash early 90s you're gonna be exposed to them through only 90 kids will remember (laughs) (laughs) yeah but uh so i mean they were almost i I right here they're almost inescapable like they were just everywhere for for a short period of time but my first real introduction is probably uh back to the future three in which they Uh, actually appear uh oh yeah my least favorite of the movies but i've seen all of them like what do you mean that one's the best (laughs) Uh, it weren't a western (laughs) um but uh uh so like that was my that was my first real exposure to them and like they play like a you know kind of acoustic version of one of their tracks on there it's tough from the time and you know i always thought like oh this is cool like i i don't know exactly who these guys are i kind of know from from the music videos but i i liked it and um and then yeah i always liked the the radio hits like you said like two for tuesdays you know all that shit like all of the classic shit uh sharp dress band whatever uh, i liked it but yeah that's that's really all you heard you didn't really get any of the other mm-hmm. you know the deeper cuts any of their really not really anything from earlier except for for lagrange 
Yeah. And so I don't no. think that actually. Or uh, Tush being in the. Oh, Tush. Exactly. Uh, right, Days right. and Confused soundtrack. Isn't LaGrange on Days and Confused soundtrack too? It might be in the move. I can't recall if it's on this. It's yeah, uh, Tush definitely like, is. Tush, Tush montages, oh, yeah. aren't they? Chasing it might down be the kids and the that's car. Tush. Is that Tush? That's okay. Tush. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, well, it means appeared it's just that one. Yeah. It's appeared in a ton of movies and and whatnot. So, but I don't think a similar. I don't think I actually delved into their like actual call uh, catalog until like late high school, early college. I think is when I really started like diving into them you know obviously they slotted in with a lot of the other stuff that we were into at the time that i was into at the time credence and all of the you know 60s 70s kind of uh you know rockers folkies you know whatever neil young etc um so this really slotted in right with that kind of love of classic rock for me and but i don't think i heard it in full until like yeah until like probably about early college when i was when like that sort of childhood appreciation for them was was rekindled and 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 then uh it became yeah i get pm a go-to because it, it's just like the perfect record to throw on like yeah at a barbecue at a party like it gets the room going like it's all bangers except for like that one song in the middle that's kind of a breather it's kind of a ballad so it really works and it's short so like yeah. you could throw it on and then it like, gets real soulful on that one too I don't know who's singing, yeah. but yeah. it's like I think well, all those bands. Yeah. Every '70s album almost had to have a freaking ballad like yeah. that. Yeah, for sure. But they do uh, it well. Most of the time, they're just kind of pablum, you know, just fucking. Oh, uh, I mean, tell them, tell me about. It. We did the Eagles, and that was just... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so, so yeah, these guys slotted up there with Credence and all these other bands that are just like you know go tos for 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 a lot of different occasions and. And actually later when I was working, you know, started working and I was working in an office pre-COVID era, uh, I, I would throw on, because we would all throw on like, you know, new music, whatever, uh, and listen to it. But I was like getting more into like throwing on like old stuff, like, you know, whatever, talking heads or whatever. And then one day I just threw on ZZ Top and everyone was like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, ZZ Top fucking rules. Like, why don't we yeah. Yeah. listen to them more? And yeah. so uh, that eventually became like kind of a tradition, semi-tradition where every Friday we would, uh, we would, you know, uh, once it was basically quitting time, we would play dice, drink beers and, and throw on ZZ Top playlist and just, you know, go to town and, and have a good time. Uh, and it's like the perfect music for, for drinking beers and, you know, uh, gambling a little, you know, getting a little, getting a little uh, rowdy. So it's, they've been a band that's been, you know, a through line throughout my entire life uh in a weird yeah in a weird way but i'm glad that i've been able to maintain that appreciation and deepen that appreciation as i've gotten older but what about you Caleb? yeah i always tell people i only listen to six bands c c r z z top (laughs) that's it it's all you need six letters are all you need for rock and roll six words whatever (laughs) but yeah um yeah you know like y'all are saying we everyone's known about zz top you know they were well-known you know classic rock band but like a lot of us came to knowledge of them in the 80s or really in the 90s with like kind of 80s nostalgia stuff and i always thought they're kind of unfeg well i didn't really know but they're on you know fairly pegged as a novelty act in a lot of ways because they're just Mm -hmm. 
You guys, thought they were older guys with beards. They probably the weren't beard that old. Guys, yeah. yeah, the beard exactly. guys, like you yeah, said. Like, Who are these Hasidim rocking out on the top? <laughs> they had like the, the arm swinging thing they would do, and they were like hot rod culture and shit. Oh, the, and like the guitar on the, the, the twirling yeah, guitar. Spinning yeah. the guitar. The fuzzy shit. guitars, all yeah. that. Yeah. All the that. Arm so you're swing like, thing was cool, though. Was no, that was cool. I like that. That was like classy, that dude. I like that shit a lot. Cadillacs and shit. Yeah. Like, it's pretty, they got a good, they got a good vibe going. They had a good vibe. So they were like, yeah, they were known for that whole like, visual element and stuff too and like so i mean that might and then you know songs like legs and stuff you know you, you know and nobody hates it but you're like this isn't like we're lighting the world on fire creativity wise you know and so yeah you know that way and then like i said i would like kind of hear um just little vague I had a vague notion about them having kind of a deeper history in terms of like, you know, the classic rock era and the era before MTV and stuff. And then being like a working band then and like, yeah, being contemporaries of, you know, Southern rock, uh, heavy blue stuff. Like, you know, I would hear, you know, it was like, like I was big on like the forums, like stonerock.com and other like record labels and shit that were like kind of playing that kind of heavier kind of deserty stuff i was into um and you'd hear like they would mention zz top as an influence and i couldn't really square all that with like what you know i was familiar with them so it was always kind of the back of my head they might have had it like a deeper yeah. history and um more legit i guess you know catalog so um yeah and so i really didn't get hip to this album until kind of the era the time that we're that we cover here you know i started hearing from like my peers and like other uh indie musicians and stuff that were you know singing its praises and it would come up a lot and actually where i first like heard anyone recommend it was of just a weird random joanna newsom interview i think it was for pitchfork or something and they're like oh what are you listening to and she was saying she was listening to like was it Sandy Denny? So that was like Fairport Convention or whatever. It's like that was recommended. And she was like, oh, and then I've been really, Drew recently got three sombras on vinyl or whatever. It's like, it's like really good. It's really kind of eccentric in its own ways, it has like really great textured guitar playing. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I think I had, so I started to like kind of tie those threads together that they were kind of a, kind of a cult band in, in a lot of ways, even though they were as popular as they were. Yeah, for being um, insanely popular, they're yeah, kind of slept huge. on almost. Yeah, but their 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 first phase of their career is kind of where they have a cult following. Um, you know, at least in the two thousands in whatever. So then, yeah, I checked it out, and um, yeah, it was definitely more in line with, you know, that kind of classic rock, um, heavier blues stuff that yeah I was more familiar with. You know, with your like you know your Creams and Jamie Hendrix and stuff, it kind of made more sense. You're like, oh, this is this is where these guys were coming from. You know, this isn't this isn't overproduced and has some kind of grit and grime to it. So that's cool. Yeah, the other um, band Caleb that was kind of like that in the '90s and 2000 would Aerosmith people being yeah. like, you know, and Van Aerosmith's Halen too. I got to put Van Halen on. Toys in the really attic. Good. Yeah, I remember people being way into Van Halen yeah, as well. I've tried with oh, yeah, Aerosmith. I, yeah. I enjoy some of that, but not like ZZ Top. Though. Yeah, no. totally. No, those those records are enjoyable, and and we'll let you get back to it, Caleb. But yeah, yeah it, it's course. just they don't they don't hold up in the same way that this record holds up at all. Yeah, uh, I guess they have less of like a artistic voice. You know, they're kind of just they have like some good elements to it. Name? But Joe Perry can't hold a candle to Billy, yeah, Billy. Yeah. guitar. Yeah. 
Yeah, a lot of those bands weren't doing good exactly what they wanted to be doing, too. Like, ZZ Top just kind of had a freedom to them, you know? And it's cool how they were able to navigate around that with a major label and whatnot. But, yeah, then about eight years ago, I had a really boring kind of sedentary office job. And so it gave me a good opportunity to listen to a ton of music. So I was, I was going hard into bands and, you know, catalogs and just, like, listening to fucking five to six hours of music a day you know and just like kind of being like a pretty good job to me no it was for that for sure boogie woogie all day (laughs) yeah for sure um and so it gave me like a chance to do stuff systematically so i'd go like on all music or whatever website and find lists and stuff and kind of like run through all of that yeah so then you know it was kind of it was mostly like heavy stuff and then you know how things happen they evolve and then i all of a sudden i was like kind of on a like a kind of early metal proto metal jag so i was listening to a lot of stuff like leaf hound and dust and <laughs> vanilla fudge and like bungee and shit all those yeah. kind of like contemporaries black sabbath a little bit one or two degrees less known um those kinds of bands and then that inevitably led into like another subcategory of like boogie you know, and like heavy music. So then, like, I was listening to like the first couple Canned Heat albums and like mm-hmm. Texas bands like Frigid Pink and Dead Man and shit. So then, and then inevitably that got me back to ZZ Top to the catalog. And uh, I had known Thrust Umbres. So I was like, listen to that. And I just got fucking obsessed with their first five albums. Like, would listen to it just weekly, um, like all the way through. Anytime I had people over, oh, dig out. I think I've have all of them at this point, but I was like intentionally trying to get everything I could on vinyl. Yeah, that first album, Real Grand Mud, There's Umbrace, Tejas, Fandango. Fucking That's quite a run. It's a fucking yeah. phenomenal run. Yeah. And um yeah, those albums are fucking great. I mean, even and, the Eliminator is like, you know, nothing to sneeze at. This is yeah, good for sure. There. Yeah, I know. There's yeah, there's a good one. It's a little too. bit, you know. It's so 80s. Yeah, it's 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 of its time, but it, there's still, what's the other you know, one? It's all weird shopping. with electric drums. El Durango, Dango, or whatever. It's or called. Der, Del, um, Del. I can't ever say it, but it's Del Deguello or something. De Deguello, like yeah, yeah. Kind of sounds like a, a big black at times. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. El Loco is good too. That's the one I just pulled out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I got like way into that it. Dango's good. Isn't that like half the half live album? Yeah, yeah. half live. Yeah. Yep. How's the first album's that? really good. I've been listening to that. A first lot album, yeah. Real Grandmother's great too. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, that was just anytime it was party. And I was also doing a lot of like fucking, you know, beer drinking and Hellraiser at this time. Like, yeah. So it was just on. It would just be like Saturday mornings, morning beer, music. Anytime I was at a barbecue, anytime I was outdoors with people, out at the ranch, you know, kind of like. Mm-hmm. Camping. kind of bonding with the old my dad's friends and my uncles and shit out there i'd be like oh dude put on some fucking vanilla fudge and or some zz top yeah, yeah it's so cross-generational I, yeah and i was just in my fucking yeah just my greasy rock phase trying to like become a 70s guy but i'm glad i didn't fall too deep into that that's just a that's a lot but um treacherous path my friend yeah totally <laughs> gotta stay in the area you live in but appreciate what came before you um yeah. yeah you know yeah, what i was, I was just... thinking about zz top you're saying Cub, like i'm glad i didn't become a 70s guy these guys like every bar band has to know like two or three of their songs and <laughs> yeah. do covers yeah. but they're the worst band to cover because 
they sound authentic. And if you cover the ZZ Tops, you sound so cheesy and you're never going to nail the guitar solo. So well, it's, it's like the fake, it's the fake funk that we hate. It's <laughs> yeah, the, fake you know, stank. Yeah. Well, fake I mean, you know, the classic uh, video, remember that video of the drummers in the wrong band and they're doing Sharp Dress Man? It's like oh, a yeah, cover band yeah. at a wedding. <laughs> they drove them nuts. Going, yeah, he's just going insane. <laughs> <laughs> classic classic video. classic but uh yeah it was it was at a time i was wanted to be transported to a simpler and slimy time and um yeah i would just play the hell out of that shit and still do you know i played a lot with you know saturday mornings the kids up it's just fun jen likes it so it's a it's, it's fun for the whole family but like you were saying like yeah where you would where people would be like kind of big tent rock bands and you're like oh yeah check out the earlier stuff like zz top did that for me as a band like knowing that like shit they had a whole career before legs or whatever and like knowing those albums are just tremendously good just insanely good riffs really well written reverent to their influences and so it kind of like did this thing where i was like starting to hear about other bands like inspired me to like look deeper into their catalogs and shit so like you know i went back and listened to the first like three or four fucking scorpions albums you know who would have thunk it right those albums are tremendously good or even like fucking like storm riders uh era like deep purple or all that machine head per- yeah, deep like purple that. like all that even like early grand funk and shit grand funk so like yeah, yeah started like kind of looking at the heavier beginnings of a lot of bands that kind of had a bigger softer sound you know yeah. at, at their peak of popularity so it was like yeah it was a really nice way to yeah. not uh, you know, not write bands off and like kind of look, yeah, look for their so, grease, greasier origins. Yeah, but a lot of some of those were so hard to find for many years. Yeah, you like had to yeah. go to a record store and get it. Yeah, or, and that's like, what I was doing too. Store, yeah. yeah, that's what yeah. I was kind of digging the crates for a lot. So yeah, um, so that's that's my history with them. Very very pro this album. Nice. One of my one of my favorites. Sweet. Yeah. Do you guys want to take a little? Pause for the cause, drink some tequila, smoke some Mex, come back. That's my new catchphrase. Sweet. (laughs) Great. You're just calling it right now. Sweet. (laughs) I'll I'll start up the bumper stickers now. (laughs) We got to get that soundboard going. Sweet. (laughs) All right, let's take a little break. All right, sweet. All right, and we're back. Hope everyone had a sweet break. Hey, that's my catchphrase. <laughs> I'm taking it. That's all of ours now. Cheers. No. I had to crack a second beer. I was like, let's get this going. Tuesday. No. Living it up. What you know what? Drinking? This hey, is beer? actually a Tuesday night album. The champagne of beers. Oh, that's Ooh, a good one. So I got Modelo, yeah. the Mexican well, champagne of beers. <laughs> you got a Nalgene bottle with like a four ounces of water in it. Hell yeah, stay hydrated, homie. Yeah, dude. It's all bad, especially when down Texas way. Yeah, I love Modelo. Never disappoints. Yep. Throw a lot in there. A little pinch of sal. Modelo time, baby. A little fuck of that sal. It, uh, it leads to, to some debased behavior, though. That's for sure. <laughs> Behind uh, a lot of tomfoolery. Yeah, if you start drinking Modelos like early in the day. You like, could you probably know, have 30. You get off work and you're like, oh, I'll get an 18 rack for the whole weekend. And then it's nope. like 
six on Friday night. <laughs> You're like, like I need to go get more. <laughs> you pissed during, like um, 30 times. <laughs> during the early uh pandemic, during that quarantine time, I was hitting the models hard. I was I um was doing the uh the uh what you call it the um god why am I blanking on the name now? Chilongo? Challenge. With uh, with a lemon and the in the, or the michelada, yeah, micheladas. I was just all I was just basically <laughs> I would just do like three micheladas and then take a nap. <laughs> yeah, but it was uh, that was paradise. It was heaven. Somebody should do like the Modelo time challenge. How many Modelos can you drink? <laughs> the answer is a lot. Yeah, the most Modelos you will ever see drinking is like at a three year old's birthday. They party in santa maria yeah the three-year-old's been in, in the bed since 3 p.m yeah. but the adults are going hard till 4 a.m yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah oh it's good times good times yeah. um oh yeah cool cool um yeah so let's go on to the section of the show where we talk about our feelings now having sat with the album for a couple of weeks um this album I listen to it well, you know, a couple times a year anyways. I always yeah, have it in my that's always on. Um I was realizing the other day that in my Z section of uh my records, ZZ Top is the only band I have. And I was trying to think like who am I what, what else could I put in there? Zwan. Warren Zevon. Hey man, that Zwan record yeah. actually rips. Warren Zevon, yeah, yeah, I guess for Z-Von, sure, for sure. I guess. That Italian band Zombie from the seventies. Zombie, very um, good. The American band Zombie from the two thousands, also two thousands. Uh, the Zombies, I guess seen, I have seen them live. Actually, seen them live. Very, the Zombies, very good. Uh, Zero oh, Boys, the, hardcore band. Isn't there a, a dubstep artist Zombie as well? I believe there is. Probably Zombie Apocalypse, mm. a Shai Halud uh, sister band. But uh, not wow. very, not very good. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. uh, when we announced we were doing this album, I was excited to get into it and uh, set the scene for you. It was like a Friday night. Hell yeah. And I went out with a co-worker, hit a, hit a bar. I had about three beers. My friend left. And then I, I was about to leave, too. I was right behind him. And then my buddy at the bar, he produced a marijuana cigarette. Nice. He's like, he's like, you leaving? You want to hit this before you leave? Some, and I some was like, yeah. Minus. I was like, give me that fucking thing. <laughs> so <laughs> I took like one hit. So I usually don't like to smoke in public anymore. Mm. But I took one hit. And I was like, whoa. I like immediately got like crossfaded. I didn't think I was that buzz, but I guess I was. And I threw on my headphones, walked home, put this on. I was like, dude, this is like the perfect music for like being a little crossfaded, mm-hmm. walking home. Man, I just got so into it. I actually got to my apartment and I circled the block one more time. <laughs> just that's when you listen, know it's good. Yeah. Just to listen to a couple more, just to finish off like uh, side A. That's like the reverse driveway effect, right? Where you sit in the driveway and you wait <laughs> yeah, to finish the song. <laughs> yeah. But this one just said like really like got to me how much i'm like dude this this band like sounds weird there's like it sounds like a lot of like post-punk kind of dancey punky bands that came after them like some of their vocal choices are like w- really strange the song structures are weird then like the way that 
the bass and guitar how funky they are and the drums of course too um but like the his guitar solos billy gibbons kind of remind me of like funkadelic guitar solos that were going on at the same time so it was all in conversation of all the music that was going definitely has like a metal-ish vibe to it at times and it's just yeah i was just so struck about how tight it was and how interesting they are like just their song structures and stuff it just blew me away it always blows me away and then i been putting on the um the vinyl like every saturday afternoon or like cleaning the house like sunday morning put that on it's just a good time yeah yeah so current reaction just the, just the evergreen album evergreen oh, yeah. that's a great uh i'll just jump in here um evergreen is a great word for it because for me like yeah i i still love this band just you know since i was you know six years old i've always had an appreciation for this band or whatever and and it really hasn't left in that entire time maybe there's periods where i don't listen to them as much but you know especially this record is one that just always comes back into the fold you know i wrote here that it never really left the rotation after i got into it in college and that's true you know it's always kind of been a perennial favorite and um one that i I come back to um and yeah maybe it's been sometimes it's between you know years between listens but getting back into it for this it was definitely like oh man like why don't i throw on their stuff more often like zz top fridays was great you know why don't i bring that back for my own self like this you know it's yeah. it, like you're saying though it's a perfect record to throw on when you're doing something like it, it either doing nothing or you're doing something like it's perfect for both like you, you could be like chilling in a barbecue drinking a beer having a plate of food and it's perfect or you could be, yeah, working out. You could be, you know, doing some some work, whatever. You could be taking a walk, walking home. Like it's just perfect for so many different vibes, so many different moments in life. But like, there's something just so infectious about the groove that it's, you know, it's hard not to move when you're listening to it. It's hard, like I, even if I'm just like working on, you know, some design work and listening to this, like I, I'll just find my head bobbing or. You know, I'll start moving side to side just because it, it just it's infectious, man. It, it that's the best word for it, where it just it, the the groove hits your ears and you just automatically start moving. You know, it also definitely inspired me to pick up the guitar a little bit more. You know, I, I had to like listening to these riffs. I was like, I gotta learn how to play this. Like this is fucking crazy. And like the 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 magic of it is that they're they're such simple riffs in a way because you know often it's like two notes, three notes, four notes. But it's all in the feel. It's all in that right hand. It's all in Billy Gibbons, you know. I mean, there's uh, people argue about like, oh, he uses a quarter. Oh, no, he uses a peso. Yeah. It's like, no, oh, actually, he uses like it doesn't really matter because it's all in his. It's in him. Like that's he uses that's the soul, thing. baby. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you feel like his being through the guitar. Like that's why it's so good, and that's why no one can touch Billy Gibbons because it's so unique to him and. Um, so yeah, it's it's an inspirational record in that sense where I'm just like, man, I like I want to play music because it's just these guys are having so much fun and it sounds so great that I just I want to join in. And yeah, and the riffs are are just really solid, really well written. And the thing I think we touched on it just a bit, but there's something about this record where it certainly feels of 1973. It slots in there with you know Dark Side of the Moon or whatever other 1973 records you want to talk about, you know, raw power, whatever. But it has a kind of timelessness to it too. I don't know. I mean, a lot of it is the production where it's just kind of like 
lets the band just be and and get gets their essence right uh so maybe that's it but it just it feels both of its time and timeless at the same time and i think that's why it's become such a you know beloved classic for for so many people and you know it's 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 definitely the type of record where you can listen to it all the way through that the all 33 you know minutes and then run it back because it's just that enjoyable it's just that replayable um, and I found myself doing just that, you know, a few times where I'm just like, I got to listen to waiting for the bus again, because that riff is just so fucking good. And the guitar tone is so crunchy and and tasty. And it's it's something that you you want to return to. You know, we do a lot of records where it's like, all right, I think, you know, after doing this, I think I'm good for a few years or good forever even. And this one's I think it's the opposite where I'm just like, the more I listen to it, the more I want to listen to it. It's interesting. But yeah, it's 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 a record that that I've you know I've loved for a long time, and this kind of helped remind me why I love it. Uh, you know, to kind of dive deep deeper into it, and it's um it's fun, it's celebratory, it's raucous, it's it's all the things you want from a good rock record. But it also just has a very soulful core of of these three dudes and them coming together to make this incredible music. You know, and you know I'm just I'm glad that we're here to be privy to it and be able to share it because it's yeah it's a hell of a it's a hell of a record yeah yeah fuck yeah you're talking about the record shelf earlier Noah, and uh the one the my zz top is close to another record that is very much this vibe and that's uh the crazy horse and neil young zuma uh, uh yeah i kind of like relate those two albums in terms of like talk about just like strong guitar lead sound just kind of little little out there a little fried i don't know yeah for just, sure i was just thinking about that anyways yeah how i feel about this now yeah i still i still fucking love it, it you know it, it is yeah, a perennial classic it like never gets old i play it at least once a month yeah it's probably in, in one of my favorite albums ever if i'm being honest about it it's just like a pure good time it just gets me so greased up you know it's just like you just step into the vibe of it there's such like a vibes based band you know they're and they just control that atmosphere the whole time it's just like the perfect amount of soulful and jammy and good songwriting you know and it's not too much of one thing you know from song to song there's like a uh, creativeness to it with each song and they they kind of go in these different directions while staying simple so it's just why they're able to like add so much to it by like just kind of maintaining a just a really strong core and yeah like kind of the most recent listens i was just listening to just the rhythm section is just really really locked in Frank Beard and you know Dusty Hill, they're they're just like this that duo um just holds everything down so well and it like really creates a really good um palette for you know Billy Gibbons to play his style of guitar, which is like you know kind of a working man's guitar. It's like very tone, but you know, it's he has a very strong singular tone. Um, it's a little loose because it kind of just has to be to kind of fill out the sound a little bit more than just being a power trio, not having um another guitar player, you know, live to do stuff. So they plays off of the bass and the bass is a little bit more melodic and fills in kind of creates a, it's a little busier too, you know, so it fills in more sound. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's just like, they're just a, 
I don't know. They're just like a really creative band and they just use, they're able to create a lot out of a little, you know, um, just very, yeah, very economic use of uh, space and sound and everything. And yeah, it's just like it, it just transports you to them being in the studio in Texas, just, or I guess in Memphis, but parts of Texas, but yeah, just doing their thing and just like really just riding their sound out. Um, There's just something kind of, yeah, like you're saying, like weirder and light and whimsical and more idiosyncratic yeah. than you know yeah. a lot of a lot of those other bands, and they're just I don't I know they like had a they, uh, freedom to them. They weren't because it's like '73, you know, like there is like what is forming into what we know as like kind of punk rock or glam yeah. rock, you know, mm-hmm. New York Dolls are right around the corner, yeah, Slade, or what have you, Stooges, Stooges are going, Bowie's wiling out, and they feel just as much in conversation with that as they do with kind of blues history, and mm-hmm. I feel like they're in the present as much as they're uh, looking back in the past, which is what all good music tries to do. Yeah, at, at mm-hmm. no point does it sound like they're just doing kind of the blue standards and stuff like ev- everything no. is really original you know and yeah. just like it's a really modern approach to it um, it's like you're saying kev if you walked into a bar and you're like oh here we go there's this bar band and then you're like whoa this is like the best band ever <laughs> that's like, the best bar band ever <laughs> but they're firmly yeah. a bar band so yeah they're not above it they know how to bring the bring what you want yeah and give, yeah give the people what they want they just stick to the script on this album it's and it's a script that they write themselves you know it's like it's, the, the expectations of this were you know they were somewhat of a well-known band when they made it but like i don't know I don't, there's something just a little more out there and free than a lot of their contemporaries you know i don't, I don't know it's kind of hard to describe but yeah it's just like it's just kind of in its own world you know it's kind of off doing its own thing and and it makes you want to be off and doing doing your own thing you know it has a certain sense of uh you know you want to feel free and just like in the moment and living you know and and a lot of the songs are cool because they're just like interesting lyrics you know they're like little story songs and there's just some kind of cryptic shit yeah. to it and <laughs> you're kind of like weird yeah song. what's going on so it's like the like you know the cowboy storyteller you know but it's a little more kind of drug fried and filled you know well in one of those quotes that i read billy gibbons used a word that i think is very accurate which is eccentric i think yeah. these guys yeah. are eccentric in the best possible way where it's just like they're very them and they're yeah. very comfortable being them like that's the difference like it's one thing to be yourself but to actually feel like that person is comfortable in themselves mm-hmm. like that's a whole nother thing and like these guys 100 you feel like these guys know what they're all about they know what they're here to do and they're gonna fucking do it really well and yeah that's what they did and it's it's comforting because it's from an area where like the, the, the uh, like you know it's kind of like the rock star was getting a little bit jockey you know it's like no musicians are supposed to be fucking weird these weird kind of just worldly people you know and, and they they definitely deliver on that so yeah fucking love this album nice. probably listen to it later today well should Hell we hear yeah. it yeah now let's, let's get into this spark it up <laughs> all right so slappers i just want to say off the bat i think every song on this album slaps like 
Yeah. I don't know. There's not a dull moment. There's not a single yeah. dud. There's not I have a single one. Misplaced... I guess it's a slight whack. It's not even that big, but yeah. I mean, we'll, we can we'll talk cover. about it we'll, when, we'll the, when the time it. is right. But let's let's start off with some uh, some cream. So here, well, what what, uh, what bangers you guys got? Uh, let's hear it. Let's hear. I mean, the f- slapper for me is always that first song. The first song for the bus. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it has such a good intro. And on this past listen, I was listening to on my headphones, like his voice and like the that song structure at the beginning. It sounds like a freaking Talking Heads song. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, there's a lot like of like David Byrne thing. Uh, well, just to to, to build. It sounds on like that the part. Talking Heads. If the Talking Heads were people you'd want to hang out with, yeah. If they went to like <laughs> if they like I drink. don't know Texas A and M instead yeah. of art school or whatever instead of RISD or... yeah. yeah, this yeah, and we talk often about like starting a record off with a bang, and like this is like one of the epitome songs of of that. You know, like one of the biggest examples I can think of, of like starting off with a bang, starting off and letting people know, like, this is what we're all about. This is what this record is going to be about. And you're going to fucking strap in and join us because you're going to have a good time. And uh, I mean, obviously a bus is, you know, a moving object, but just the story of this song where it's like you're waiting for a bus, but you're you know jealous of the Cadillacs going by. Like, that's just <laughs> fantastic. Like the underdog story already, like everything about this is, is bluesy and good. Yeah. There's, there's something get. working class about it too. There's a lot of times on this album where it's just like kind of just work a day storytelling, you know? And like, it's, yeah, it's not ostentatious. It's not pretentious. It's just super relatable. I think that's where they wanted to be. They wanted to be down in the dirt with everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they literally got into the mud on their second album yeah. cover, right? Like literally in the, in the by in like the, not the body, but the, whatever the, the, the riverbed Rio, right? Grande. Rio Grande, Rio Grande. So yeah. yeah, these guys are not afraid to get in, in the nitty gritty. Yep. But how about we uh, take a listen here? I, I think from the tippy, right? Oh we yeah. Got we got to hear Iconic that. intro riff. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Here is Waiting for the Bus by ZZ Top. That's yeah. just that's just swagger. Yeah, pure swaggering, just <laughs> swinging dicks immediately. I just love how he hits that vocal. Yeah. I totally hear what you're saying, though. Yeah, it, it does have a kind of artsy kind of glam. Yeah, yeah, vibe to it. I want to get just a little deeper here. There's a oh, yeah. there's a couple of sweet solos here. So first, here's a little of the harmonica solo. Uh, which is oh, yeah, absolutely Mississippi saxophone. <laughs> yeah, absolutely banging. So here we go. Here's a little bit of that. All right, and that leads into a, a rollicking solo that I just want to play a little bit of here. So 
Curious. What do you guys feel about? How do you guys feel about saxophone? Or sorry, about harmonica. Harmonica. Yeah, uh, it's like that. Like the yeah. bluesy harmonica is awesome. Yeah. Like, are we talking oh, yeah. blues traveler? Are we talking Dylan? Who? What are we talking? Here? <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, I like mean, harmonica. When it works, it works. I mean, shredding harmonica is fucking awesome. Like, yeah, uh, like. Know, like Taj Mahal or something like stuff like that. Someone that's a true harp master, like yeah. and and like, but but not like Junior Junior Walker. Or yeah. yeah, someone that has a feeling for it. Like it's just it, it's great. Uh, uh, I agree. What well, no, what you you don't like Caleb or you what? No, I I think I it has it can have a steep drop off, you know. Mm. Um, but like when it works, yeah, it works. For yeah, sure, very... like this song, like that fucking the wizard, the Sabbath song, you know, it was oh, just yeah. like all these, just like, yeah. But then there's other times where you're just like, okay, put it away, white boy. Yeah, it can, <laughs> like, it can come off a little cheesy, a little for tedious. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. A little, uh, but I think, I think it's the, yeah, this is probably one of the best uses of it in this kind of idiom for sure. And then here's some of that ripping guitar solo. Uh, and both of these solos, uh, harp and guitar. By Billy Gibbons. So yeah. Some of that killer guitar work that Hendrix was a fan of there. That goes off. He goes off, but he is really simple. He just knows how to hold it and like space everything out. Tell me, man, it's all in his hands. It's, yeah. it's all in the it's all in that tone from his hands. It's just it's perfect. Like those um, you know, those little licks that uh in that solo there, they're just like perfect, perfect bends, perfect and with feeling too. It's mm-hmm. not like mechanical, it's all yeah. very groovy. It all fits. He's a really uh yeah, he's a really expressive player. Expressive, perfect yeah. word for it. Yeah classic intro yeah that's one of the best lead off guitar yeah, of course notes. it's like a literal like one two punch where it's almost like one long song it bleeds right into the uh jesus just left chicago yeah yeah it's more okay. of a down homey kind of bluesy should we song, um but... should we hear that real quick yeah, yeah. let's hear some of that and this yeah. song is like basically like a homage to Muddy Waters, right? He's like the Jesus in this song. I think. To mention him. Well, he reworks the Robert Johnson riff in this song. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. But, um, but, then, but yeah, it's. It, go ahead. Sorry. <clears throat> well, it starts off as such a kind of like slow, kind of twelve-bar blues riff, but then he just shreds again on guitar and really like amps this song up. Yeah, he 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 takes like a lot of the times that guitar playing it just elevates these songs to a whole another level when he when he kicks that in but here's a little bit of that turnaround i have a little note about that um this this little edit here where it's seamless uh but here here's a little bit of the end of wait waiting for the bus into jesus just left for uh, jesus just left chicago i'm sorry uh, so here we go I mean, just a great, great bluesy vocal take there. Just, yeah, you know, killer. 
And then and I can see how that can be like a turnoff to some people where it's like, well, again, the blues voice thing. I maybe, I don't know. I mean, I guess if you're like, if, you know, if you're talking about like a critic and, and them listening to like a number of these records in a row, then maybe, but for me, it really works because he's, uh, I don't know. It, it's, it seems genuine. Yeah. You and know, there's a little, yeah. And he puts his own spin, has a little weirdness into in it. He puts a little English on it that I yeah. think is his own, you know, his own kind of thing there. He doesn't and, try to punch above his weight either. And like, yeah, get like way too fake stank or soulful about it. You know, he, no, just, he knows his range. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, precisely. Okay. So here is a little bit of that solo you're talking about and um, some, some blues turnaround here. <clears throat> Just love how he segments that solo to like do call and response basically with it, you know, and it kind of just has the sweeter parts and he has gets a little bit more shrill. Yeah, it gets more slidey with it. He kind of he he lets his guitar solos kind of go off the rails for just a minute. Mm -hmm. Like the timing will be like, oh, that's a little off note. But then yeah, it, it gets it right back. I think I mean, honestly, that's like I think that should be the ethos for guitar solos. It needs to be. A little bit noisy, a little you bit angular, a little stretch bit too far, a little almost. bit off. Yeah. yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Well, you always want to push it, but you don't want to ever go off the edge. Right. So like that's yeah. always he's always so good at balancing that of like, yeah, you're saying like being a little off kilter, a little off balance, but then bringing it right back into the groove and making it all piece together in such a satisfying way. Mm hmm. Uh, um, right. That was like a mistake, right? They didn't mean that song to. OK, so. Into- yeah, so to get into that. So the legend goes that it was a mistake that they ran out of tape that they, you know, they cut it too close that the edit was because, you know, some some the engineer, you know, made a mistake with the with the razor blade. But as it turns out, it actually was not a mistake. It was very much something that they thought about. Speaking on the end at the the engineer Manning, he explained that it was not planned beforehand. And as an engineer, he was, quote, always looking very carefully at timings between songs, counting time, feeling how different time signatures go together, different keys, different feels. So he tried several things to see how those two songs could go together. And then it dawned on him that they could come together as one song if it was, you know, as if it was played that way, where they just, you know, go from one riff into the next. And he said that when he showed the, the band the finished edit, Billy Gibbons loved it. Um, but the producer, Bill Ham, who was the band's manager, was very confused and, and hated it. And uh, <laughs> but after, um, you know, after playing it back a, a few times, it was pretty obvious to the whole band and everyone else that, yeah, there, there's no way that these two songs could be separate. And so it's become sort of, yeah, it's become sort of a, a A-B kind of thing where these two songs are almost always played together on the radio or whatever for like those two for Tuesdays, like we're talking oh, about. Yeah. You it's can't, a classic kind of you can't unhear them together yeah yeah so you know the legend is it was a mistake it's kind of similar to the the name like the, the legend is one thing and the reality might be you know is another thing and it maybe it's the truth is somewhere in between but um according to the engineer it was a planned thing and the band really loved it so they they went with it so 
there you go. Sweet. Love it. All right. All right. What's just kind of based on how the album's sequenced? Like, what, what's what's the next uh, uh, slap of the that line we, here? Um, not like the whole thing, but like, what? what yeah, what do we have next? What do we yeah, have so, on our respective lists? That would be I next. can um, I can throw one out here. So one of the ones that I really love, and I'm not sure if it's on either of yours list, but uh, it's Beer Drinkers and Hellraisers, uh, which is track three. I have that on track. my goes without saying list. Yeah, that's kind of why I didn't put it on because I was like, somebody's going to have that. That song is an absolute fucking anthem. Yeah. It's a great song. I mean, it inspired me to create some design work that I'm yeah. very happy with. <laughs> Oh, sick. Um, some maybe some merch coming in the future yeah. we'll see but Boots, uh legs <laughs> but there's just something like somehow this song is even greasier than the the two before it which are already very very sweaty and greasy in the in the best possible way but i wrote here this is a capital r hard driving rocker yeah like, straight up like rock and roll you know they go they're going hard for it like here it's 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 a you know very boozy barroom roadhouse kind of thing the vocal is very much in that milieu you know and then i wrote here just a little thing like i think they faded the song because it rocked too hard to actually end it so they're just <laughs> like we gotta fade it out i know um, but i wish they did i was like dude i want to keep going dude keep that solo going dude I'm i like put, a I've 20 put minute in, version of that i've put that song on any like anytime someone's like, yeah, it's like a mix or a bachelor party or a barbecue or a camping trip. It's like, it goes on regardless. Like, it's just like, anytime there's going to be people having a good time, it's just like, it has to make a, has to make an appearance. Yeah. I mean, it gets the blood, blood pumping for sure. Yeah. Cause the beer's drunk. Yeah. All right. So how about from the top again, or does anyone have a, I mean, I think most of these songs are great from the top. It's just like, <laughs> I That's think the a, mark yeah. of a just a slick blues player, you know. Definitely, so you I mean, punch in. All my notes pretty much have like the the intro being one that we got to listen to. So let's hear this from the very tippy top. Here is Beer Drinkers and Hell Razors by ZZ Top. <laughs> <laughs> my can of dinner yeah he's eating like he's eating dinner, like yeah. denison's or something Denty Moore or something uh let's see like vine fine wine a bunch of vines uh, with my can of dinner and a bunch of fine and that's it so some fine what it's oh, up to you you think he's talking about he drinks his dinner or like he's just it, the uh, kind of guy who lives a lifestyle and just eats like like chili you know yeah like hormel so no i thought it was just like he just drinks a tall can for dinner i think that's what he's saying but <laughs> yeah. um, it's it, i, 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 I like wouldn't to be think of it the other way some these dudes more just or something. eat out of cans yeah, yeah. totally <laughs> chip beef or whatever <laughs> yeah uh i mean that it, it fits the vibe for sure yeah. <laughs> no those canned tamales oh yeah, yeah those, are bomb. those are good i still like those yeah those actually are good the paper yeah. Yeah. there's just something paper. romantic about like some swaggering single dude in Texas, like you know, lives in a cool, 
trailer or whatever. <laughs> just, yeah, just eats, the can. Just it. eats cans and like uh, drink <laughs> beers with a pop top. There was yeah. in, the gr- in the yard. Smoke cigs, uh, you know. That is like vibe. definitive when you say like Roadhouse Rocker, like mm. this. That's the definitive song. Yeah, if yeah. you're if you're a bar band and you don't have this in the back of your you know back of your pot in your back pocket yeah, in your repertoire, you, you fucked up. Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, let's hear a little bit more of this. So, uh, I really love the solo here. So let's hear a bit about. Uh, uh, excuse me. So let's hear a little of that. I love the drum breaks on it too. Frank Beard is such a fucking beast. His fills and like his little just like flourishes yeah. are so like it, again every every member of this band is bringing their all to it and they're bringing all of their tricks and all of their little you know everything they've learned from being on the road. I mean these guys were you know prolific touring act. Like I think they toured all through 1973 and 1974 just for this record. And it, it just these guys were always on the road. So they they are tight, tight, tight. And this songs like this just show how you know how groovy they can be. But I have a little bit another uh little piece here I want to play, which is just uh the chorus, which is just so very tasty to me. So here's a little of that. It is like it sounds like when you start a band in high school, like let's write a badass song. Yeah, but so, nobody can. But then, but then it like <laughs> it's actually really so good. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean it's quite it's right in that pocket with like Tush, where it's just like a really hard driving forward momentum song, and you know not the most um, complicated song. Like it's not the most complicated riff or anything. Again, but it just works super well, performed perfectly, and hits every fucking you know every awesome bit that you want you know awesome solos awesome vocals etc so nice. yeah great tune all right what's Fuck next yeah. i think the next song is on most of our list right mm, master, yeah. of sparks. master of sparks yeah i have it on my honorable mentions but yeah, yeah. i have it yeah. on my i think it's my i think it's I mean, ask me next week. I'll probably have a different answer for you, but I think it's probably my favorite song on this album. Oh, really? Ooh. That was the one that really kind of crept up on me this yeah. particular past listenings. I was like, yeah. oh, that's a slept on one. What I was fucking... your... Uh, sorry, go ahead. I just, uh, before I forget, what was your comment on this? No, that it I said it's, like... It sounded like a lot of like 2004 kind of indie stuff a yeah. little bit. Like, oh, I mean, a lot better than most of the stuff we've covered, but... Had this kind of quirkiness to the yeah, the, I, I could kind of hear it in the drumming, just like yeah. the, the just insanely good shuffling drum beat that Frank Beard's doing. Like, I don't even know, I don't know anything about drums, I don't know if it's a paradiddle or whatever, but <laughs> a rudiment, whatever, whatever he's doing is just super cool. And just, just, I don't know, yeah, yeah it has like a yeah, it, it just brings it to a, ne- a next, you know, another level. 
it's just kind of unexpected and maybe not even yeah. needed, but just he's trying something different on it. It's a and weird yeah. uh, story song too, about yep. like getting put in a yeah. cage and like true story thrown out of the back of a truck. So, do you want to hear the, the the story of it? Yeah, sure. Sorry, but before we go on that, Kale, did you have another comment or was that did you cover it? Also? Um, on Astro Sparks, yeah. I mean, I think it's just like a yeah, it's just a dope song. Like it just has like a really kind of heavy riff and the, the, the just the i really like the bass work on it's just like the rubbery and slinky and just stinky and yeah it, i think it's probably their most like metal song you know i don't me these days they probably influence more metal bands but i wouldn't you know say they're even a hard rock band or anything but this song has kind of more complicated kind of structure and more kind of sinister melodic riff you know mm-hmm. want to yeah. be out of place and you know like a black sabbath album or something and um yeah like i was saying about the drums and everything i just i really like just the interplay with the drums and the bass and then how um you know billy gibbons has just really cool harmonies that he plays with himself and everything so i don't know it's just like a kind of more psychedelic out there song yeah it just it just really does it for me nice nice okay so the story behind this is, and this is according to Wiki, so take it with a little bit of a grain of salt, but um, I've seen this uh, story other places. But anyways, the song basically tells the story of Billy Gibbons and his friend R.K. Bullock, who, with a workman, welded together a steel ball cage with a seat and seatbelt fitted inside. And so they placed this cage into the back of a truck, and at night, after reaching a speed of 60 miles per hour on Highway 6 near Houston, also known as Jackrabbit Road, uh, they rolled the cage out of the back with the, uh, with the hapless narrator and friend taking a ride inside. Uh, so they literally got inside this thing and, and had someone drop them out. And so the cage generated a tail of sparks on the road, but in its crushed condition, stopped rolling. It uh, Still moving at high speed, the now egg-shaped cage crashed into a fence, and both occupants survived relatively unscathed and were awarded the title Master of Sparks by the cheering crowd. Nice. So it's based on a true story of them actually getting into this fucking thing and, and doing this <laughs> crazy shit. That's insane. Yeah, so... <laughs> It's a true story, and uh, I would have loved to see that happen because that sounds pretty badass. That's like jackass before jackass. Yeah, it's like, yeah, proto jackass. Um, but did you have a uh, time, Caleb? Or Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, like with any any song on this album, you got to start from the top. All right. Yeah. All right. So unless there's any other comments, here is Master of Sparks by ZZ Top. I wrote here a little note that said that Jack White's been ripping this on this one yeah. on for years. <laughs> and it's like his guitar tone is pretty much this uh, extrapolated for, you know, for the 2000s. Yeah, totally. And then, yeah, I think like later in the song too, I think you had highlighted this too, but yeah, that solo around the 220 mark. Oh yeah. 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 It's just real tasty. All right. Here is a ripping solo from master of sparks. 
does go off on this one yeah i um, like his voice on this one it reminds me of like early kind of springsteen that was happening probably i think 73 was his yeah first roughly around the same time okay yeah i i am glad you, you mentioned that because i did want to play a little bit of the verse here because he he there is a great vocal take here so here is some of that from master of sparks See this part, that background. Good stuff. Nice. All right, another slap. Have we heard? Lagrange yet? No, I think that's kind of the next big one for all of us. Um, yeah, that's the that's the slapper on side two. Really, it's kind of crazy how iconic this song is, and then it's kind of uh, tucked in there on the second side. Yeah, that I mean that happens. There, there's a lot of examples of that where you know the hit song is is buried towards the back, but. It is surprising because it is such a standout song. Not that the songs around it are necessarily like, you know, Precious and Grace is, a, is another banger, but there's just something about it, about the riff and the vibe of it. that just, it sets it apart. It's definitely like, oh, this is, this is one of the better tracks on yeah. an already amazing record. It's funny. It's almost a song like as a kid, I might've said like, yeah, this song's played out. Mm-hmm. But now I'm just like, no, it's perfect. I can't get enough yeah. of this song. I agree. I, um, you know, I, I didn't never got tired of it or anything, but it was definitely one of those ones where, yeah, it's on the radio all the time. It is kind of the, you know, the archetypal ZZ top song in a way, um, just cause it's one of their more well-known and it sort of hits yeah. everything about their sound. Um, I guess it's one of their most sort of very much in that country rock lane. Mm-hmm. So maybe it misses some of like the heaviness of some of the other songs on this album or some of the weirdness or some of the more hard rock medley stuff that we heard in that last song, but still great though. Yeah. And it's another one where he's basically taking an old, you know, boogie blues rhythm from John Lee Hooker and updating it for, for his own usage. And then the, the, uh, how, 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 how is borrowed from another uh, John Lee Hooker song. Boom, boom which yeah, is uh, boom, pretty well boom, boom, boom. great song, but, but yeah, so they're taking all these elements from the stuff that they loved, filtering it through their own sound, through their own abilities. And uh, you know, it comes out as fucking incredible tracks like this. And then there's, this is another one that's based on a kind of true thing, but I'll uh, get into that after we play a little bit here. So again, <laughs> we have to go with the intro because it is like, I don't know, one of the most iconic intros of all time i would say right i mean this little riff here so oh yeah, yeah. definitely here is lagrange by cc top mm-hmm. 
I just wanted to get to that because yeah once if he, it drops in it's just so good if he sang like that the whole time on the album i'd i'd be tired of it but he really puts his turns it up on on this song with that vocal old blues man voice he doesn't do that all the time no yeah well, he mixes That's, it up yeah go ahead kill yeah and i think he like wants to do it and like i don't think he's making not i want to say making fun of it but like he uses for i, I want to say like almost like a humorous like you know kind yeah. of zanier effect well it's for like color right Instead yeah totally because like, like i mean they know they're they're pulling it from the jolly hooker song and like if you're a blues fan you know what you know you know boom boom so i think it's kind of like a winking nod to it and yeah, being totally. like yeah we know we're we know what we're doing we're using the voice yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he might be kind of overusing the voice too to kind of you know like poke a little fun at himself. He's like yeah. this white boy trying to you know do like the, the blues man kind of thing, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think yeah, I think there's a little bit of that for sure. They're a little, they're they're, they're very self aware, you know. Yes, that's a yes, they're very self aware. I mean, obviously, you have to be self aware to use your image in such a yeah. way, like you know, to to be so. Um, so and he so and he basically only does that little intro, and then the rest is. Mm -hmm. essentially an instrumental yeah and you're off to the races yeah, yeah. speaking Ooh. of here is that first solo which is just uh another tasty lick fest so here we go uh here's some more of lagrange by cz top <laughs> Uh, and then there's one more little bit that I want to play. But before I, that, I do want to, do you guys know what this song is based on? No. Okay, it's called LaGrange. Yes, LaGrange, Texas. But <laughs> the song is about a whorehouse named, or a brothel, excuse me, a, a brothel uh, named Miss Sex Jessie. Worker Emporium. <laughs> yes, Uh we're sex positive on this podcast. Yeah. Support sex workers. Sex, like work. sex, sex work, work is work. Sex work uh, is work. <laughs> but the, the, so this song is about Miss Jesse Williams Chicken Ranch, which was an infamous brothel in LaGrange, Texas, uh, that served the community between 1905 and 1973. And it wow. actually served as the inspiration for the film The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, which is a Dolly Parton Burt Reynolds joint. Very enjoyable film uh and so gibbon says uh or he told sounds magazine back in the 70s it was about the waldorf astoria of whorehouses in texas so posh that you couldn't cuss or even be really drunk in front of the girls when you reach a certain age in texas you can go vi visiting down to mexico or make a trip to lagrange at least that's the way it was place got closed down soon after we wrote the song uh, the oh, sheriff was so what? pissed. Yeah, the too much was so heat on off, it. They blew it up. He smashed all the ribs of the reporter that broke the story in the papers. Wow. 
fucking fuck the police. Um, <laughs> and then Frank Beard says, when we wrote the song and put it out, LaGrange was still going strong. It seemed like maybe a month after the song came out is when the local newscaster, uh, newscaster from Houston raised the big stink and got the place closed down. Fuck that asshole. Uh, that's my own comment there. We kind of wrote the song as a celebration. It ended up being a eulogy, unfortunately. Damn. Damn. And to finish it off here, Dusty Hill adds, everyone knew about the place. I mean, it was no secret. The guy that caused a stir about it was just was doing just that, causing a stir. We had a couple of people blame us for the closing, but we didn't let any cats out of the bag or anything. I think that was already in the works. Uh, we didn't know about it. So um, they blew it up. They blew it up and you know it's unfortunate, spot. but but yeah, so that's uh that's the history of that song. I mean it's it's just of a piece with all of the stuff, all of the songs on here, all the stories on here, just you know, of of uh low living and you know, rough lives <laughs> and, and all that shit. I mean, it all it's all here and it's it's fantastic. Well, it sounds like a little slice of paradise in the <laughs> yeah, that's true. This one this the wilderness uh, of South Texas or whatever. This particular yeah. uh whorehouse the best in texas uh, apparently so that movie's a go. romp yeah it's, it's good yeah it's it's uh dolly's particularly good in it and bert yeah. uh, I mean, bert's just uh cl- class yeah his uh his She's charming class his riz as the kids call it is always it's always a pleasure doing business with you or what is it oh yeah yeah it's uh, always uh, pleasure doing business with you right something uh, like that something I like it more than McCabe and Mrs. Miller personally. Or it's always business doing pleasure. That's not you. that's not true. McCabe and Mrs. I mean, that's a come on. <laughs> that's a good double feature. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Caleb, you got another slapper? Yes. Um we went out of order a little bit, but um that's okay. Uh Precious and Grace. I have that on my list. I, I put I put those the two songs that I put um, basically I can put any song on here like I keep saying but um this is another one of those heavier bangers it just has a really nice fuzzy fuzz riff just they really use the the thump and the, the low end to really effective degree and um yeah it's just a little grittier a little grimier has a little more of that dirt on it yeah it's just cool cool solos and breakdowns and all that i don't know it's just a it's just a good one yeah i agree the guitar is a little bit more fuzzy a little bit more like not psychedelic but it's a little bit more of um kind of a uh it's a little heavier for sure yeah. and it, it um uh, another capital r rocker for sure i really i i, I really dig this track i think Kind of here in the middle is where some albums will will lose you, but mm-hmm. right here, like it's just you know, for Master of Sparks through Lagrange, like it's just it's it's solid, like you know, yeah, it's a hell of a ride. So and so and then to, yeah, Precious and Grace leading into Lagrange, like it's just banger after banger. But did you have a a time or yeah, let's do um, I kind of like the just like the first thirty seconds are just introductory riff, and then there's this little um, not too long after that. Um, the one to two minute mark is just this cool little instrumental change, and then he busts out some slide guitar, I believe. All that right. is real tasty. Uh, do you have any comment here, Noah? Or should we yeah, I like the slide guitar part, is is awesome. All right, well, here is some of Precious and Grace from the tip top. Red 
love it, dude. <laughs> Yeah, just that crunchy palm muted yeah. riff. Uh, the you know the whole vibe of it. Just a wild vocal on there. Wild vocal. Wild vocal for sure. <laughs> I love him though. He's he's you know he's not afraid to go for it. Yeah, he's doing his thing. Um. All right. Here is a little bit from. I'm gonna play it around the 140 mark so we get some of that guitar work here. So here we go. Here's some more "Precious and Grace" by ZZ Top. just weird man yeah it's out there <laughs> really unique really interesting i mean he was it's definitely... like somebody dosed the gravy yeah <laughs> well i think he was definitely i oh i know he was inspired by the almond brothers to kind of slow things down and groove things out a little bit more i think before he was playing more complex things and then he heard the almond brothers and or either he heard them or he talked to them or something like that and he's like oh i can simplify groove it out more and and make it kind of just you know make it more uh syrupy syrupy and just kind of more simplify it so that the groove is is kind of harder in a way because it is just like a few notes like it almost it hits harder because of that so he's you know he's pulling from a lot of the not only from the, the classic you know the blues artists but also from contemporaries from other acts that were you know they toured with he's he's pulling all kinds of stuff so that's why we get these little nuggets of gold that they're all have like their own unique sensibility. They'll have their unique kind of sense of sound, but they all feel fit a, uh, as a piece on this record. And it's, I think that's why it, it works so well as, as a whole. And this is just like, yeah, another, another notch in that like heavy, awesome banger list there. Nice. Okay. All right. Any more slaps or. I think we covered probably this whole yeah. bad boy. I think those are the ones that we wanted to talk about. Before we move on to the next one, we take a little pause here, take care of something real quick, and then yeah, we'll get take back care of some to business. It. Sounds take good. Business. Yeah, I have one slight whack. Ooh. But... Oh, all right. Well, cliffhanger That's there. kind of bullshit Noah's about to get us into. <laughs> no, it's just, I don't know. There's, it was a little too much for me. All right. Just this one song. I look forward to hearing what you got to say. We'll get into it after the break. All right. We're back. So, Noah, what's your beef enchilada with this album? (laughs) It's a very small beef. Uh, It's like almost, I almost just left it off, but I think just this song could be left off. And like almost kind of a perfect album. This song was just, uh, but the song is chic. And uh, it's mainly just that the lyrics are a little like, what? What is this song? It's a little too goofy. It's like a skip, skippable song, I guess. 
it's also weirdly the longest song yeah it's like they're epic yeah it's kind of meandering it kind of had like a thin lizzy sound to it mm-hmm. um, yeah i like the guitar like there's some guitar like exploration on this yeah song the music's like fine yeah. if it was like an instrumental that'd be fine but he does his weird accent work <laughs> <laughs> you don't like uh it's like a chic from mozambique get like, on with said, the folks having some coke <laughs> He says something about like going to Mexico and he, yeah, he hits the accent pretty hard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He dreamed to go to Mexico and says like Mexico. Yeah. Yeah, Very strange. It's it's very, it's very much like, you know, your, yeah, your, your cousin that went to Mexico for, for a week and come back talking like that. uh, Yeah. Kind of vibe. Thrill touched. Yeah. We could just hear like the first 20 seconds and move on. All right, here is Chic by ZZ Top from the top. Sounds like the Eagles. (laughs) The Eagles wish. It's not kind of a Joe Walsh vibe. Yeah. Definitely feel line it too. Play this. <laughs> that is goofy. Yeah, I mean, like I actually had this on my um honorable mentions list because I like the oh, riff. Oh, you like that? Yeah, riff's cool. It's just it's fun. That's some cool drums. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. It's kind of just dumb fun. Like yeah, I mean, dumb every once in a while though. Yeah, right. Like, the lyrics are nothing to write home about for sure, but. The riff is fun, and uh, as I mentioned in uh, in the middle, there's like this kind of almost psychedelic guitar exploration that he's going for, and it's just it works pretty well. But yeah, I don't know, it's it's a little long. If they cut maybe cut it down like to three oh six instead of four oh six, and maybe made it more instrumental, like yeah, I think it would be an ultimate another ultimate banger. But as it is, not my favorite, but definitely not. I I I liked it. I don't know. Yeah, you know, you know what ZZ Top is? Is they're a smart guy's idea of a dumb band. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's like it, it inverts that old adage, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I think that works. All, all right. right, I guess that makes we, us all smart guys. What do we rate it? Yes. Yep. That's, uh, that's our next step here. Um, who wants to start off? I can go. I'll give it just because of that chic song. I got it. It's not quite perfect. I give it like a nine point nine point eight. Wow. Oh, yeah, you didn't okay. dock it much at all. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah, I mean that's a that's a slight whack, like you said. Yeah. Very slight whack. Very good. Okay, so you know, I, I could kind of go back and forth a little bit. I think nine point oh, which is what Pitchrick gave it, it's a little bit low for my taste here. Mm, I'm gonna give it a nine three. Nine three. Solid uh, record, all-time classic, but not perfect, but very good. Well, you guys know how I feel about this band and album. I, I I love this album to death. So I'm gonna give it a, just a fucking 10, 10.69 if is. I could. But oh, yeah. coming coming at the end of the line here once again. I'm giving it a 10. All right. And that brings our grand rating to a 9.8 plus 9.2 or 3 agent 9.2 uh 9.3 oh even better and my 10 
makes it a 9.7 album. I think yeah. that's, that's right in the pocket there, yeah. Yeah, good round work, guys. Up. Yeah, round, <laughs> round it up. up. Round it up to a 10. <laughs> Just call that a 10. Yeah, it's a 10 record for sure. Yeah, for yeah. sure. No, yeah. definitely. I, I see your guys' points too. Burrito. Yeah, for sure. All timer, <laughs> happy 50th. Tres hombres. Yeah, 50 years. And, and really, the production value is just sounds so clean, so nice to this day. Yeah, it's, it's just so everything rich. is just tasty and tasteful. One, just... one note on that. Did you guys know that in the 90s, they actually, the CD has a different mix? Yeah. Is that the thing with the years. syncopated drums or whatever? Yes. Mark Maron's like... always going on about it. And I do not understand what he's talking it's because about. Because Eliminator was such a huge hit. Yep. So they they uh, tried to like copy. They went back and did yeah. And they yeah. fucked with the masters or something. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it kind of came out similar, like clinical and and kind of yeah. weird, similar. But to then the, they yeah. remastered it again. I think in like oh eight. Took it out. Oh eight. So I think it was. It might have been earlier than. It might have been like oh three or one of the earlier. So yeah, if you so, stream yeah. it, it's fine now. Yeah, iTunes. You get it on iTunes. You get it digitally. It's all good. But if you're you know, grab that old CD from a thrift store or something. You might want to think twice just because, yeah, it has a weird mix, but because this, this mix sounds excellent and yeah, all the, the drums f- and everything sounds perfect. So I wouldn't want to ha- hear any of that 80 sheen on there. You know what I mean? Nah. No, Better no. yet, just go, go out and get the shit on vinyl. Oh yeah. That's I mean, yeah. yeah. If you're a little records, bit hard to find, or I don't know, it's, I've I don't know. I think if you it. find a decent copy, that's like fifteen dollar album. I don't think yeah, you should charge it more than that. No, no, no. Yeah. It's yeah, because they they sold enough of these, so they're out there, and yeah, you can find them. Sure. Uh, and as as you said, no, it's the perfect record to roll a joint on. Throw it on there, roll <laughs> a joint. Yep. You know, in drink. the Texas tradition, baby. That's what it says right here. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. Cool. Right on. What's next? All right. Yep. Noah, do you have a game for us? Or uh, we... You know, I didn't do a game just because I thought we'd have need time to explain. Yeah, that's next... true. Explain that's our next call. game. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's that's a good little teaser for the teaser. Um, yeah. So coming up on our next episode and episodes, um, we're going to be trying uh, something a little different. We are doing i guess this will be our second series that we've done you know kind of series style uh episodes um so second or third yeah yeah so yeah we're proud to um announce the debut of the 2023 whacker slaps division i american radiohead championship so basically i stands for indie yeah yeah thank you (laughs) and uh yeah basically influenced by you know march madness uh, style bracket a lot of uh different podcasts and different kind of media things um entities yeah. do these sorts of ratings things so yeah so we're doing our own kind of march madness thing in the month of march to determine the question uh, to the to answer the questions probably the most heated debate in all of music probably much <laughs> ever and that is who is the american radiohead <laughs> Uh, yes so we that are going to argued be, yeah. how how big is this bracket what is it, 16 uh, we're gonna do 16 okay yep. start with Good. 16 i was like there's no way we're filling out sweet 16 yeah so um no, no. Yeah, we whittle so, it down to 16 yeah or so we, we will be willing it down go ahead yeah. Caleb, I'll let you so basically we're looking back you know in different archives different lists 
different just kind of general conversations that have happened in you know american rock journalism about you know dubbing you know radiohead being one of the biggest bands who are not an indie band but indie adjacent band you know who is the american version of that who is the american radiohead who has the ambitions and artistic drive that radiohead embodies here who states had the hype. who had the height oh, yeah all yeah. those things and you know our next episode we'll, we'll be kind of explaining the you know we'll run down the seating we'll run down the seating all these bands are going to be going head to head and we'll fill out the bracket from that and um, each episode we'll do a different kind of divisional round and yeah next episode we'll just kind of be fleshing out a little bit more kind of explaining what you know what defines an american radiohead uh competitor can you know contender so um yeah. yeah we're excited about it you know it's cool we've never done any sort of kind of tourney we'll based uh, episodes we'll see how it goes see if we'll... we can fill an episode with that you know but that yeah. actually might be a nice yeah little it might be a little have quick, some shorter quick hitters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so maybe there's some good ones to start with um down the road <laughs> but um we've already gotten some pretty good engagement on instagram put the question out there today um, at Wacker Slaps on Instagram. Who is the American Radio Head? So feel free to hit us up there or on our email, wackerslaps at gmail.com. Also on our Twitter. We'll probably get our Twitter up and running, you know. Hate to give Uncle Elon any more uh, data. Yeah, we'll get back on Twitter. I've been bad be about a- it. We'll pay no. the eight dollars, Elon. All right, we'll get back on there. <laughs> Dude, yeah, we'll get the Twitter blue um whatever it's called but yeah that, that's a good place i just really think great discussions happen on twitter in the first place you know it's just a yeah it's just reasonable dialogues happen there every day so i think that's the best place for us to have these sparks right. so yeah Let's right now we're show. <laughs> all right right now we're gathering bands so we have a big master list we'll be thinning that out and setting the 16 bracket yeah. next episode so um yeah throw all any of your choices out there yeah. email us hit us up uh, yeah we, you know we have our we have a list but we're always looking for more and, yeah. and as caleb said we'll whittle it down on the next episode but yeah the more the more the merrier so send out mm-hmm. all of your ideas more the merrier and hit us up if you have you know what does that actually mean we're thinking you think of radiohead's ambition album yeah. cycles hype evolution evolution popularity now american is this north american or is this mm, interesting I, I say I, we let canada in there <laughs> well <laughs> i friends to the north would be inclined to do that but the list of that i have already has no Canadian okay fans. Then, never mind so yeah, let's just keep it to the, US US of US the contiguous u.s u.s of a all right yeah I think because we have mentioned uh, a Mexican Radiohead and stuff, which I'm sure is out there. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> hey, maybe that if things go well, that's that'll be the yeah. sequel. Yep. So they look at you, mana. It'll be like the Concacaf. Yep. Cabeza Radio. Um, <laughs> did we do. Oh, did we mention Rest in Peace, Dusty Hill? Right. We did not. Well, we, we kind of not. alluded to in the beginning. Last but year. Yes. Yeah, you died yes, last year. Okay. We lost him. Damn, yeah, I, never, I never got to see them. I know, dude. They're just trio. good live. Oh well. Sure. Next I fly. guess we'll have to be the Tres Hombres hey, moving forward. There's rock and roll heaven. They got a hell of a band. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Amen to that, brother. Yep, yep, yep. All right, Caleb, close right. the show, baby. All right, hombres. Let's get out of here. Classics. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> okay. Sweet is 
not uh, endorsed by the other <laughs> members of this podcast. But thank you to Kiki Ontiveros for our slapping theme song. Adrian, thank you as always for your research and production work. Thank you, Noah, for your catchphrases and banter. Make sure you check us out on our website, wackerslaps.com. Socials at wackerslaps. Email wackerslaps at gmail.com. Who is the American Radiohead? We ask you. For Noah and Adrian, I'm Caleb, and this has been Wacker Slaps. And as always, we ask, what made the American Radiohead? Sweet. Sweet. Bye. Peace.